This episode of News Dump is brought to you by Masterclass and by Stitch Fix. <laughs> Elliot, Elliot, what have you done? Me? What have you done? Just a week, a week after floating the increasingly believable theory that you are, in fact, the main character in this universe because of the consistently ludicrous news regarding cryptocurrency designed specifically to annoy you, the unthinkable has happened. Yeah. An iconic piece of local history and a monument to athleticism has fallen. Are you proud of yourself? I didn't do it. The Staples Center, home of the world champion Los Angeles Lakers, the world champion Los Angeles Kings, and the seemingly cursed LA Clippers. It is no more. And the naming rights have been sold to a cryptocurrency exchange. God damn it. And... That stadium or arena will now officially exist worldwide as the Crypto.com Arena. Fuck you. No. No. <laughs> what do you have to say no! for No. I didn't do it. Yeah, well, for the next 20 years, Elliot, you're going to have to live with the fact that uh, LA's one of LA's most iconic stadiums is now the Crypto.com Arena. And you know what? The Olympics are right around the corner. So no! they're going to be having, like, you know, whatever uh, Olympic games are, archery or whatever. Hi, now we head over to the Crypto.com arena for the archery competition. Or like the cringe arena. Get this shit out of here. God damn it. Why did you do this? I didn't do it. The people running the simulation did it. Yeah, they were like, how could we make this even worse? It could only be worse if it was Dodger Stadium. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank thank God that's not on the table yet. Uh, Yet, yeah, it's going to be the FTX. The the Dogecoin Stadium. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there uh, there was a joke online, like the Dodgers... Stadium. Fuck off. Please do not actually do that. Please. So, yeah, anyways. <sighs> here's the official story from the local Los Angeles Times. Mm-hmm. Staples Center is getting a new name for Christmas. Crypto.com Arena. The downtown Los Angeles venue will wear the new name for 20 years under a deal between the Singapore Cryptocurrency Exchange and AEG, the owner and operator of the arena. Both parties announced Tuesday. Crypto.com paid more than $700 million (laughs) for the naming rights, according to sources familiar with the terms, making it one of the biggest naming deals in sports history. The arena's new logo will debut December 25th. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) When the Lakers host the Brooklyn Nets and all of Staples Center signage will be replaced with the new name by June 2022. Crypto.com's chief executive, Chris Marzalik, Hopes that the new name will come to be seen as a sign of the times. Uh, Yeah, it certainly, I would say so. It is definitely a statement. Not in the way you might think. Uh, Quote, in the next few years, people will look back at this moment as the moment when crypto crossed the the chasm into the mainstream. (laughs) Marzalik said when reached at his home in Hong Kong, he don't even live here. This is just such a brilliant move from the guys at AEG because the next decade belongs to crypto, he said. And this positions LA and this particular venue right at the center of it. LA is now the epicenter of crypto, Elliot, whether you like it or not. Get out of the way, Miami. Elliot lives here. So all of the turbulence surrounding crypto also has to exist here. And I can't move because wherever I move, they're going to just follow me there and ruin something in my new home. That's the thing is everyone's just like, oh, you want to buy a house? Why don't you move to the Midwest? Well, now it's a threat. Yeah. If Elliot shows up in, in some Midwestern town, crypto's coming along with him. I'm cursed. Yeah. The Shibu Inu Center. God damn it. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, 
Of course, that's not the only blockchain news we have for you this week, because this next story really gets into two recurring themes that keep popping up regarding crypto assets, NFTs and the actual ownership of intellectual property related to the tokens themselves. But aren't they the one and the same? Aren't they, the, would I buy an NFT? Or am I not buying the copyright to the image? Don't, because I own it, right? And if I buy something that is uh, technically uh, intellectual property of someone else, uh, they, they totally cleared the rights for that, right? And, and I own it, and now it's, it's mine. Um, so <laughs> here's this one. Earlier this month, Quentin Tarantino announced that he was also jumping onto the hype train and releasing his own NFTs because... Hey, well, why, why not? If people are going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on digital collectibles that require very little effort to produce, he'd have to be an idiot not to get in on the grift. Yeah, sure. And I figured, why not me? Yeah, mm -hmm. let me get a, get, give daddy a taste. Yes. But in the case of Quentin Tarantino, the NFTs weren't just going to be a spinning 3D model of a big kahuna burger or a pack of red apple cigarettes or even a render of a very sexy foot. Mm -hmm. He was, at the very least, releasing uncut footage from Pulp Fiction alongside other pieces of memorabilia. Uh, here's CNBC with the original story from earlier this month. Quentin Tarantino is breaking into NFTs. The award-winning director and writer is auctioning off seven uncut scenes from Pulp Fiction as non-fungible tokens, also including original handwritten scripts from the film and exclusive audio commentary from Tarantino himself. The collectibles will be auctioned on NFT marketplace OpenSea. So that article continues, the NFTs are built on the secret network. Shh a blockchain ecosystem that prioritizes privacy. For the unique Pulp Fiction NFTs and for all others auctioned on the platform, that means the content is only viewable to the owners of those NFTs. <laughs> no more, no more right-click and saving, yeah. unless you choose to make them public. Yeah. Uh, Tarantino's secret NFTs protect not only the filmmakers never before seen Pulp Fiction content, but also the identity of the eventual owners. In the release, Tarantino said, I'm excited to be presenting these exclusive scenes from Pulp Fiction to fans. Secret Network and Secret NFTs provide a whole new world of connecting fans and artists, and I'm thrilled to be a part of that. I just, for the life of me, can't imagine him actually saying that out loud. Yeah, it's, this is really just, it's, it's been disappointing seeing. Because David Lynch is so many, too. yeah, a lot of, a lot of people I otherwise respect and admire are cashing in big. I, and, and I can't really blame him, but... I, I will say that people like David Lynch and Quentin Tarantino, not only do they have no idea what the conversation about these things is online, yeah. but even if they did, they would not give a shit. Yeah. Like, you think well, I care what some fucking Twitter user thinks about me putting out NFTs? <laughs> they promised me $5 million. David Lynch having NFTs? What? <laughs> what do you mean? My son what does all the paperwork. About? You, I can get how much off of this? You yeah, sure? Well, all right. Hollywood doesn't give me money to make my movies, so I'll finance things any way I can. Yeah. So, like, I think that there's probably a uh, probably beneficial disconnect between the online discourse and a lot of the people, yeah. uh, at least the creators, in this sense. But yeah. So cool. You get to own a some piece of scenes. From Pulp Fiction, right? Well, not so much because, oops, turns out Miramax, they have a, a little bit of a problem, a big problem with yeah. all of this since they actually own the rights to that movie. And according to a lawsuit that they have filed against Quentin Tarantino, these collectibles aren't technically his to sell. Mm -hmm. And yes, this is, as always, just all very stupid, but this case could also set a precedent for these kinds of collectible sales going forward. In the future, Contracts might actually have to contain wording about how digital assets related to a project are handled. Welcome 
to the future, everyone. Hope you enjoyed uh, the past because yep, it's uh, it's hyper techno dork future, and we're all living in it. The future is needlessly complicated. <laughs> uh, here's more information from the New York Times. The Hollywood studio Miramax filed a lawsuit on Tuesday accusing the director Quentin Tarantino of copyright infringement for his plans to sell non-fungible tokens based on the screenplay for his 1994 movie Pulp Fiction. The lawsuit filed in U.S. District Court for the Central District of California also accused Mr. Tarantino of breach of contract, trademark infringement, and unfair competition, according to court documents. Uh, that reporting continues. In its suit, uh, Miramax contended that Mr. Tarantino did not consult the production company and said it had certain broad rights to Pulp Fiction because the director had granted and assigned nearly all of his rights to Miramax in 1993. On November 4th, lawyers from Miramax sent a cease and desist letter to stop the planned December sale of the NFTs, according to court documents. The director remains undeterred and has refused to comply with Miramax's demands to cancel the sale of Pulp Fiction NFTs, the suit said. The studio also said in its suit that consumers could be confused into believing that Miramax was associated with Mr. Tarantino's sale of the NFTs, which could interfere with the company's own plans to sell NFTs from its library. Yep, there it is. This is so goddamn cursed. Like, oh, goddamn it, he beat us to the punch. You know, we might have had our own plans to sell a bunch of NFTs related to all of our many properties that we own. And now people are going to be confused. Just please, please, Lord, don't let Denny Villeneuve <laughs> get into this shit. You already called the Sandworm NFT, Elliot. You put it out there into the world, and God will now punish you. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, for his part, Tarantino, and more specifically, his lawyers are definitely trying to push forward with the sale, and they seem undeterred by this lawsuit. Quote, Miramax is wrong. Plain and simple, Brian Friedman tells Deadline of the suit. Quentin Tarantino's contract is clear. He has the right to sell NFTs of his handwritten script for Pulp Fiction, and this ham-fisted attempt to prevent him from doing so will fail. The Friedman and Tatelman LLP partner adds in curt fashion. But Miramax's callous decision to disclose confidential information about its filmmakers' contracts and compensation will irreparably tarnish its reputation long after the case is dismissed. Miramax is Harvey Weinstein's company. So yeah, I think I, their, I, their reputation's yeah, tarnished pretty badly. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I love, but I, I do love the just the imagery of a lawyer screaming, Tarantino can sell whatever damn NFTs he wants. Yeah, the contract from the 90s didn't say anything about not selling NFTs, so... <laughs> it was very clear. It clearly did not have that in the contract at all. Yeah. Uh, the script stuff maybe makes sense, though I don't think he even owns that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. None if of it's this... like handwritten script that he... I, I don't know. That yeah. seems more likely than actually putting out footage that was filmed, but yeah. it all seems to be under the same umbrella. Like, it'd be one thing if he was selling his personal, like, copy of the script. I think he'd be fine yeah. in that. But when you turn it into digital goods, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, and uh, lawyers, they got a lot on, on their plate for oh, the near future. lawyers are licking their lips at this yeah. NFT stuff, yeah. but from, from either side of it. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's not to say anything of the uncut scenes from the movie, which Miramax owns. Yeah. Uh, so we have no idea how this will pan out, though we are sure that it's not the last copyright lawsuit that we'll see in the headlines relating to NFTs, not by a long shot. No. This like, is uh, the new ambulance chasing. Yep. Yeah. Digital copyright law. Just fucking... Gonna get wild. It's yeah. gonna get wild. And this only adds to the value of these Pulp Fiction NFTs because <laughs> exactly. now, now they're hot. Yeah, they too hot for Miramax. Yeah. Once you buy them, they're yours. What happens to your money? That's up to the courts. But uh, 
And Miramax is taking money from the people that bought the NFTs. Yeah. I mean, how could they? It's on the blockchain. Uh, I'd like it's to call in MrKim.com to come to talk to the jury, please. Uh, yeah. Can we get some subpoenas out to... Um, God, oh, fuck. Who's the, what's the fake Japanese guy who invented Bitcoin? God damn it. <laughs> Satoshi? <laughs> Satoshi. <Nine. laughs> Can we get the Satoshi guy on the stand? Tell us about the blockchain. Uh, but thankfully, we have at least one level-headed re response to NFTs this week. And it's from a company that we uh, keep having to pat on the back for good decisions. Xbox and their head of gaming, Phil Spencer, who was, of course, recently asked if, how, and when Microsoft would be integrating NFTs into its gaming platform. Um, here's what he said to Axios. What I'd say today on NFT All Up is I think there's a lot of speculation and experimentation that's happening, and that some of the creative that I see today feels more exploitive than about the entertainment. He's right. Yes. Uh, he also added, I don't think it necessitates that every NFT game is exploitive. I just think we're kind of in that journey of people figuring it out. And I can understand that early on you see a lot of things that probably are not things you want to have in your store. <laughs> I think anything that we looked at in our storefront that we said is exploitive would be something that we would, you know, take action on. We don't want that kind of content. <laughs> All right, let's say NFTs. Uh, can you bring up some of these NFTs for me so I can get a good look at them just to get get an idea for how this they might a, integrate? This uh, is a sexual thing. I see a lot of human uh, animal anthropomorphized uh, animals. Is this a zoophile furry thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's good. Uh, Valve came out like a few months back, and they're like, no. <laughs> you, you, literally, you will be breaking then, the terms of service. EA, Get Ubisoft, uh, even Epic was like toying around with the idea, but they, they kind of had a similar yeah. take on it where they're just like, if it made sense, but right now it doesn't. Yeah. But like with Xbox, people will be paying out the ass to get their profile pictures. Like it, there's literally old Xbox user profile pictures that look as good or better than a lot of the... Uh, like Bored Ape NFT. Yeah. There's a monkey with a beanie on his head. Yeah. That thing's probably worth millions. It's been around forever. Millions of people have seen it. More recognizable, I'd say. Yeah. So maybe it will be the future. But, but yeah, um, very nice, very refreshing to have such a level-headed take on this stuff from a, a big tech uh, person at a big tech company without them just blindly agreeing to... Look into this NFT stuff because yeah. the investors and the anonymous cartoon profile pictures on Twitter want you to say the line. Yeah. It'll boost the value if he just says the line. Microsoft doesn't need that. They're doing great. We're fine. Yeah. We own Minecraft. Please leave. <laughs> Anyways, we do have more news for you today. But first, quick word from our sponsor, starting with Masterclass. Masterclass gives you the extra knowledge and motivation that you need to take your craft, whatever it may be, to the next level. That's where Masterclass shines, because you're getting information from literally the best people in the business from a variety of fields like cooking, music, film, animation, business, tech, and plenty more. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn the art of DJing and music curation from Questlove, improve your cooking skills from Gordon Ramsay, or learn game design and theory from Will Wright. With over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. And they've been constantly adding new stuff to their platform yeah. like uh, in a very regular basis. There's a lot of new stuff that's constantly popping up up in there. And stuff that you uh, would think that maybe you're not interested in until it pops up and you see that there's this amazing expert from that field that's going to just talk to you about it. Yeah, and you so can watch them in little bite-sized chunks, too. Yeah. There's not much of a commitment. Mm -hmm. So you might learn something about something you already know or have 
previously no interest in. It's it's fascinating to see what's on there once you get the membership and you're just free to browse. Yeah. Yeah. Learning is good. Mm -hmm. These cinema quality classes give you unparalleled access to literal experts, and the lessons range from showing you how to execute a technique to insights about that craft. You can explore lessons in any order across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, or computer, and at just 10 to 15 minutes, you can squeeze a few lessons in here or there without setting aside an entire day. If you're interested, we definitely think that you would like it and you should check it out. And this holiday, we have a special offer for our viewers. You can give one annual membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash newsdump today. That is masterclass.com slash newsdump. Terms do apply. And this episode is also sponsored by Stitch Fix. Um, and uh, your style, of course, it isn't one size fits all. It's about what suits your body and what suits the moment. So why not shop at a store that is personalized to your body and your style? Introducing Stitch Fix Freestyle, a shop built just for you. Stitch Fix Freestyle is your trusted style destination where you can discover and instantly buy curated items based on your style, likes, and lifestyle. I, when I did my uh, message to the curator this time, I was like, I want some really nice clothes for fall and winter because I never mm -hmm. uh, update that. It's just like a hoodie. And they sent me some incredible stuff, like very adult-looking yeah. clothes. So if I go out in public, no one would recognize me. Look at that grown man. Yes. Look at that adult man. Isn't he proud of himself? Whether you're looking for a brand you love or to try a new one or you want to look like an adult man. At Stitch Fix Freestyle, you can shop hundreds of brands personalized to your size and fit. With styles for workouts, to workwear, for lounging around the house, or for a night out on the town, Stitch Fix Freestyle has clothes for any occasion. Plus, there's no subscription required and they offer free shipping returns and exchanges. Get started today by filling out your style quiz at stitchfix.com newsdump. That is stitchfix.com slash newsdump to try Stitch Fix Freestyle. Stitchfix.com slash newsdump. All right, back into the news with an update on arguably the most famous participant. The most iconic, for sure. In the Capitol riots of January 6th, Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. the QAnon shaman. He has finally been sentenced for his involvement in the insurrection and will have to serve 41 months in prison. That's too long. Uh, yeah, all things considered, it is definitely more than just a slap on the wrist. And while it might not be as satisfying as some people had hoped, it is That's way a long time. It's way more than I than I would have imagined. Because we had our sights set pretty low on yeah, any of this. They're making an example of this guy too. Like I don't was he violent? I don't I don't think so. He's just in all of the pictures. Yeah, he's, he's like the figurehead of everything. So I think they're making a, a bigger example out of him. But I don't because think he had any real like leadership or planning role in this. Yeah, there's this people that ha they actually showed getting physically getting physical with police and stuff like that that are getting. Seemingly, what look still to be lesser sentences. Yeah. So I think it's because the attention's on, that's what you get when you dress up yeah. like a shaman. He's he's the guy in all the pictures. <laughs> that, that's fucked up, but I, that, yeah, that's got to be it. It's just like if we don't at least punish the one guy who's in every single photo yeah. of the insurrection, then people are going to start asking questions. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it is actually almost the maximum that was requested by the prosecution. What so the fuck? It was like 52 months was the request. It was, of course, like some of the charges he faced was like 20 years in prison. Yeah, it's like, yeah. This is not nothing. So it's... He's going away for a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. Uh, here's Insider with more. A federal judge on Wednesday sentenced Jacob Chansley, also known as the QAnon shaman, to 41 months in prison, one of the harshest punishments for the January 6th insurrection handed down thus far. Chansley struck a deal to plead guilty to one count of obstruction in September after spending eight months in jail. U.S. District Judge Royce C. Lamberth previously denied three requests from Chansley for pre-sentencing release, citing the risk that he might flee. 
The judge sentenced Chansley to a 41-month prison term, followed by 36 months of supervised release where he will have to submit to drug tests. Chansley also must pay $2,000 in restitution. And as we're all aware, this is not going to be a fun time for this guy because no. he was, our, like, was already like, uh, here's my dietary restrictions. Yeah, he's like, like, can I get the vegan, gluten-free uh, option? But, they're like, buddy, you're in jail. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Did I do that? Can I have my headdress? I don't look nearly as cool without it. He does not. No, he it's, doesn't. It's very, uh, mm -hmm. definitely compensating. Really, yeah. Added to the whole uh, scariness of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, in an update to another story we've been following, it looks like there are now accusations from a script supervisor who is working on Rust that claim Alec Baldwin allegedly had no reason to be firing that gun whatsoever. Uh, as we previously reported, the fatal shooting occurred during what appeared to be camera tests and was a result of someone allegedly mishandling uh, the firearm and ammunition that was on the set, uh, with a lot of the blame being centered on the armorer. And while the shot being fatal still rests on the people in charge of onset safety, uh, the waters have been muddied even further with this latest development that comes to us from a lawsuit that was filed against Baldwin by the film's script supervisor, Mammy Mitchell. Uh, once again, here's Insider with more. The script supervisor on the set of Rust filed a lawsuit against Alec Baldwin on Wednesday, alleging the movie script never required the actor to fire the shot that killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Quote, Alec Baldwin intentionally, without just cause or excuse, cocked and fired the loaded gun, even though the upcoming scene to be filmed did not call for the cocking and firing of a firearm, the lawsuit alleges. According to the lawsuit, script supervisor Mamie Mitchell was standing four feet away when Baldwin fired the Colt 45 revolver and suffered injuries herself. It names armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, assistant director David Halls, and several other individuals and production companies involved in the movie as co-defendants. Mitchell called 911 and blamed Halls, who yelled, cold gun, before handing it to Baldwin, an indication that it wasn't loaded with a live round. Quote, this fucking AD that yelled at me at lunch asking about revisions, this motherfucker, Mitchell said, according to the 911 call transcript, appeared to be in conversation with someone who was not on the call. He's supposed to check the guns. He's responsible for what happened. According to Mitchell's lawsuit, the movie script for that scene did not call for Baldwin to fire a gun at all. Quote, the third camera shot would focus on defendant Baldwin's torso as he reached his hand down to the holster and removed the gun, the lawsuit says. There was nothing in the script about the gun being discharged by defendant Baldwin or by any other person. So that's still like, why was there anything any, loaded into yeah, it at all? Why, even a blank. Yeah, if the, if the shot, because it's like they, these guns are, swapped out for every single shot. Like, that's how they keep things safe on a set. A visual check would have apparently so cleared this because it wasn't even about, allegedly, about blanks or whatever. There shouldn't have been anything in it at all. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. yeah the thing with these revolvers is that you need the dummies because if you look straight on, you can see oh, yeah, the yeah, empty yeah. Uh, slots in the barrel. But, the, yeah, it would have still only required a dummy round. And... Uh, yeah, you put a dummy round in there because just in case uh, someone does uh, yeah, yeah, pull yeah. the trigger. <laughs> so it's still multiple failures, but also like just even worse, the fact that the scene required absolutely no gunfire at all. Yeah, this is uh, the plot thickens. Yeah. And also uh, apparently there was like a second armorer on set as well that somehow managed to uh, wasn't that dodge second armorer the... like there to help train the actual armorer or something? There's a... Uh, there's, it's, uh, it's a real mess. It's a fucking huge mess, yeah. Ugh. 
anyway, we will keep you updated as the story continues to play out. But uh, speaking of major lawsuits regarding recent tragedies in the entertainment industry, according to a recent report from TMZ, Travis Scott, along with Drake, Apple, and Live Nation, are now facing a $750 million lawsuit over the Astroworld Festival that has now claimed the lives of 10 concertgoers. Travis Scott, Drake, Apple, Live Nation, and others will now need to answer to a massive $750 million lawsuit brought against them by more than 125 fans, including the family of one who died at the festival. The suit, filed by Houston attorney Tony Busby, is the first of others to come and places the blame on Travis and concert organizers for negligence in failing to properly plan the concert, train security personnel, and host a safe event. As for the staggering $750 million, the lawsuit claims is to cover both physical and mental health injuries, as well as the loss of life. Because that's a lot of months of uh, better health. <laughs> you only get the 30 days for free exactly. if you were traumatized by this mm -hmm. concert. Yes. Um, but... Uh, this is still going to be playing out for a very long time. There's oh, yeah. a lot more to come from this. It is, it's it's going to be pretty fucking crazy. Seven hundred fifty million is apparently just the start. Um, so, but uh, let's do a, a less depressing story to round out the day. Okay, well, one of the greatest Thanksgiving traditions of a generation, yeah. made famous on the internet, is apparently still going strong. You love six to see it. Years later, yes, I, this. This is one of the last heartwarming things that ever happened on the internet. Yep. Uh, we're talking about the mistaken text message that brought a grandmother and the then 17-year-old Jamal Hinton together for a wonderful meal and a continued friendship. Here's the full story along with the most recent update from CNN. Wanda Dench and Jamal Hinton are a pair of unlikely friends. All it took to bring them together was a couple of texts to the wrong number. Wanda Dench, a grandmother of six, meant to text her grandson to invite him to her 2016 Thanksgiving dinner but accidentally texted the then 17-year-old Hinton while he was in class. He was confused that someone claiming to be his grandma had texted him. She sent a smiling selfie of herself at work. She wasn't his grandma, but he asked if he could still have a plate. Of course you can, she replied. That's what grandmas do, feed everyone. So he showed up at her home to share the meal, and the two immediately became friends. Eventually, he and his girlfriend began going on regular double dates with Dench and Lonnie. It all has to do with this feeling. There's just this connection. It feels like we've known each other in past lives, Dench said. There's absolutely no generational gap between us. The conversation just flows. We never run out of things to talk about. Well, six years later, and the tradition is still going strong, Jamal is planning on joining Wanda again this year. Uh, here's CNN. Hinton took to Twitter to tell followers that the two are still celebrating the day together. We're all set for year six, he wrote, alongside a picture of a text message from Dench inviting him, his girlfriend Michaela, and his family over. He also included a photo of himself, Dench, Michaela, and Dench's late husband, Lonnie, who died in April 2020 after a battle with COVID-19. God, you said this was a happy story. Yeah, that's... I, I don't even know how to, like, put a nice spin on this, but... Um... At least he wasn't an anti-vaxxer who refused the vaccine because it was in April of 2020 at the very beginning of COVID-19. It's still terrible, but, it, yeah. you know, at least Jamal's there for her. Yeah, it's true. Silver lining. Hinton has documented the holiday each year on his social media. In 2019, he shared a snap, writing, Blessed to have such wonderful people in our lives. After Dench's husband died, they still spent the holiday together. This Thanksgiving, along with all the holidays coming up, aren't going to be the same as past ones, but we will make the best of it, Hinton wrote in a post last year. Rest in peace to Lonnie and everyone else we lost this year. We will miss you greatly. Thank you for being in our lives. So this, the silver lining, if there is any, is that this is still a very wholesome tradition Yeah. that has uh, gone on and will continue to go on probably for the rest of both of their lives, or the rest of Wanda's life. 
so it's still it, a very nice thing that happened on the internet and, and continues to bleed over into real life. Yeah. Inspiring. People we, coming together. We should all go to someone else's grandparents' Thanksgiving. Wouldn't life be a lot better if everyone had mistakenly texted us? Yeah. You know what? I will come have some of that delicious pumpkin pie. Each Thanksgiving, my government will assign each person a yeah. new grandma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like an exchange student. Yeah. An exchange family. That's right. Exactly. Um, anyways, that's it for uh, this week's episode of News Dump. Uh, this week's very, you know, a lot shorter. We have stuff going on because of the holidays this weekend. So uh, thank you for uh, bearing with us. But we will still have uh, weekly weird news coming out very soon. So stay tuned for that. And if you haven't already... Watch our two most recent episodes. We have a new episode of Tech News Day and an episode from earlier in the week about Steve Bannon and uh, Alex Jones getting a little justice. Getting so a little justice. Check both of those out if you haven't already. And don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave a comment. And we'll see you soon for Weekly Weird News. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.